Who are the top 10 characters in the Pixar universe? With a legacy now going for nearly 30 years, there's a lot to choose from, but who makes the rush more? Stay tuned until the end. Hey, Screeners, how are you doing? It's me, the one AJ, Anthony Jordan. And me, Nicole Luro. And we're going to start this week with a sensitive apology. Because we originally had planned to do war movies. Because coming up this week, it is Remembrance Day. However, the sensitive one of the group correctly reminded me of a certain conflict going on in the East. And yet another conflict going on in the Middle East and said, maybe not the best time to talk about war movies. Yeah, also, it, it just, it... YouTube would strongly demonetize us for doing that, as AJ picked up on. So, yeah, I, it just, it's just not the right time, guys. It's not the right time. Will <laughs> we do one? Yes, because there are some great movies out there. But we, what we don't want to look like is warmongers in the middle of everything that's going on out there when 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 stuff starts to calm down you know we we, we hope for peace in the east um but what's <laughs> like no puns and jokes in that like just yeah when things settle down you that will be a topic so if it's something we have advertised we are like yes there's a slight change of plan um yes it had, especially on my side i've not had a chance to delve as deep as I wanted to. There's a few still few Pixar movies out there who may have made the list if I had the chance to watch them properly or re-watch them and stuff like that. But there is a list nonetheless and the silver screen dudes are still delivering. Mm. Cool. Yeah. yeah, that's the one. Now, I should have asked you this before we press the record button. Um, before we ask everyone what it's all about, I just want to know what preamble I'm doing. Have we got two poles? Have we got one pole? I, I'm lost because we've done a bit of silver screen time traveling at one point and I don't know where we're at. Of the polls. That's actually a very good question. Let me have a look on that right now. Um, I believe it's just the one. One of okay. them has been lost. One of them has been lost in the void of the multiverse. Um, <laughs> Quantum mania, baby. Yeah, literally. Are we going if with the I live poll? If I can. Well, I think we're going to go. I, I've got the the. I've got them both handy. If you want to go through them. Um, I think what, for the essence the... of time, I'll let you do your spill and then I'll just let you announce the winners, the contenders and yes. the winners, just for the essence of time, because there's two and we can't have AJ try to guess for We are only I'll doing one. Number one, and we'll go with that. We are only doing one poll and that will be the non live poll. Okay, cool. Cool. No problem. So now I, that we're I believe, back in the room, I've, oh, I believe I forgot to, yeah, I completely forgot to message Jeté, JT about that. Jeté. Let's not Pun intended. Right. Okay. <laughs> you got it. Okay. And no, no 12 monkeys involved in that either. Anyway, enough of the stupid jokes then. <laughs> Would you like to tell everyone what the movie Matt Rushmore is all about? Yes, it's a show all about sensitivity where we don't talk about war when war is going on. But also, it's a top 10 show between two best friends from school. Here's how the show works. 
we get assigned a topic, we go our separate ways, we compile our individual lists, the other person doesn't know what the other's picked. It's really simple. And then we come back right here into the recording, into the into our lovely YouTube channel, The Silver Screen Dudes. Subscribe if you haven't already, and we deliver to you, The Silver Screen Dudes, our film family, our individual top tens. This week, AJ will go first, delivering his bottom three. I will then deliver my bottom three. AJ will deliver his next two. I will deliver my next two. And then we will trade one apiece when we get to our top five. If at any time, while we are running off our individual top ten lists, one person has a movie in a higher pos- position, that person will say... Punt. And we will punt and talk about that movie when we get to the high position. And once we have both rounded off our individual top 10 lists, we will create in the voice of the dearly departed RIP Matthew Perry, the voice of Chandler being the movie Mount Rushmore. These are the four quintessential diverse must-see things, movies, characters of the genre, which this week is top 10 Pixar characters. Now, small caveat, guys, we are only using one character from a franchise mm-hmm. it does kind of it, the only exception is if you got you found a worse character but it's not to say that we can pick every fish from finding nemo every toy from toy yeah. story every vehicle from cars it's not gonna happen shit and you mean I, oh damn it and there's me swearing you mean i can't pick all of the all of the sharks no no you know <laughs> that's bruce that's it like it, it gets very difficult because some films have a duo, and now to say it has to be you and not you really sucked. <laughs> I'm honest. Mm. It really sucked. Um, sometimes I felt like maybe it could be a tag team, but nope. We've gone down the one character route, and that's that. So it is essentially top 10 movies, but it could also include a franchise, as I said, you like your Tony Stories, your findings. Yeah. Anyway, you get the idea. So mm-hmm. what happens after you've we've done that? We, the Silver Screen Dudes, have the ultimate challenge of creating the Rushmore, but it gets even tighter because you, the screeners, have to crown El Capitan, El Numero Uno, the best of the best of the best, sir. With honours. With honours, sir. And to quote Highlander in the end, there can be only one. And how do you crown the one? Well, you head on over to X. You go over to at Movie MT Rushmore, the official X page of the Silver Screen Dudes. But more importantly, there's a guy that re-retweet. Good old Jate. Yes, JT of We Love Movies at Movie Polls for you. And that's there. And you only get one vote and then you get to crown the winner. Last week, our topic one. La- oh, by the way, the, uh, the Highlander remake is happening, starring Henry Cavill as the Highlander and directed by Chad Stahelski, the director of John Wick. Oh, nice. And I know Henry's got some um, sword experience from The Witcher, so make it happen. He does. I mean, he's just living his best life. Um, but yes, last week, our topic was the best movie adapted from a Stephen King book, excluding The Shawshank Redemption. The contenders were. The Green Mile, Stand By Me, The Shining, Misery. These are. These are some contenders. Contender ready. Fourth place, stand by me. No. Misery. Yes. Misery only got 12%. Okay. Okay. Stand by me in third place. Just stand by me came in at third place with 25%. The Shining at number two. How you? <sighs> All right. Green Green Mile came in at second with twenty eight percent. The Shining thirty five percent. Can 
Congratulations. Told you. It's not my film, but hey, it is what it is. No, it is not your film, is it? <laughs> oh, dearie me. Right, Monsieur AJ, what have we got in at number 10 for you? Yeah, in at number 10, I like to see this film as Pixar's answer to The Lion King. And I've taken, I was, I was torn between Spot and Arlo. But yes, I've gone from Arlo from The Good nice. Dinosaur. I'm yeah, very, um, very, very happy to see this in here. I think this movie is criminally underrated. It really is. And, you know, like, you get vibes of the land... Funny enough, the land before time. But when I was showing it to the other half, and she was like, this is literally the Lion King, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, I didn't realise how much Lion King... I know that <laughs> there's the, the white... What is it? White... What is it? Kuba? The, the white... Kimba. Kimba. I'm I'm very aware that there's a lot of theft in that, but the more you watch The Land Before Time and The Lion King, you're like, whoa, this is a lot of similar territory. And this is just something different. You know, we're seeing what happens if the meteor missed Earth and the dinosaurs continue to exist and what does man become? And man is now the pet and dinosaurs are are their their own thing. And Arlo as the fearless, the the, the fearful young I want to say cub. I don't know what you call a baby dinosaur apart from baby dinosaur. But yes, the, the young baby dinosaur who is always fear, fears everything. And dad is on the way to help him out and passes away. And through the blame, he runs away through guilt. And he comes along spot, the baby caveman, reckless and feral as he is. And this, this bond between them just creates an awesome friendship and a growing a gro- right. it, it, it's a coming of age story essentially through the, through the prism of a dinosaur and I was really touched by it and I really enjoyed what yeah. I saw um, yeah. I remember my my nephew who previously we had high hopes of him being a silver screen dude in training but hey things change yeah uh, we went a bit wrong didn't it yeah we got that so wrong okay. kids grow up they, they, they don't want to be like their uncle anymore they've got their own identity you are not you you are me <laughs> exactly exactly that but you know look well yeah take that aside i remember him saying it was a really emotional film like for him at that age when he watched it it it, it, it sure. got the emotions running and I, I get it i get it did i did i shed a tear no was it touching hell yeah and um it's one of those precious pixar movies that doesn't get enough love so it I had really doesn't I'll, I'll say this mate it nearly got me that no, scene was this that scene with the sticks really nearly bloody got me. Yeah, like these lot. two characters who do not understand each other, but who have gone through a similar life experience are bound by that experience. And it just shows the universal truth of we all go through the same ship. It's, I thought it was a stroke of genius that scene. What a yeah. wonderful way for two non speaking to each other at least characters to show that hey we've both lost loved ones yeah yeah genius no. absolute genius love it well done for putting it on what is your number nine uh my number nine is a fresh film for me um you mentioned it very in passing in in our our, our new show when you were talking about pixar movies that don't get love yeah i'm talking about good old may may slash the the red panda we're talking turning red, baby. We're talking right. turning red. And I'm, I'm going to be very honest. Um, there was another character that was in that number. That, it was actually number 10 previously. And okay. I was watching this one. And I, I had made the list. 
um, yeah, Arlo was number nine at the time. And there was something about the magic of Maymay that made it elevate a bit more. Um, I might say, did I really enjoyed the film. I think mm-hmm. I could, I think on a second watch, I'd love it a bit more. Um, I'm not saying there was hype in it because there was no hype. The film was missed. But it, I feel like it is something that needs to be seen by people because it is a, a hint of Pixar genius. And again, I believe it. it it's coming of age once again in this one. It's embracing who you are and following your path. And I, I, for any young listener here, I'm being very careful what I'm saying. Not always going down the route that your parents have as a, a line of expectation for you. Sometimes you have to break the conformity and the norm to find who you are. Okay. Yeah. This is coming from two guys who have uh, just crossed the 2000 follower marks where people go, don't you think you're a bit too old for this? Don't you think your time has passed? Maybe it has, maybe it hasn't. But we're still we're still going on that journey. Yeah, feel free to swivel on that, what he's just put out there for you. Like, you can live your life and be you and still have a relationship with your parents. Now, I know in certain circumstances, people have broken from the norm and it doesn't go that way. So I'm very cautious in saying, do you? But this journey showed that essentially that we, we this is very linked to menstruation, but at the same time, it's not, you know? And it's this whole... <laughs> Oh, when when a lady becomes of age in this family, ah, oh, she turns into a panda. But you must now tame the panda. Yeah. It must eliminate the panda. And uh, do you know what? Do you know what made me make may make in like jump into this list and climb that rank higher? Even though there are more lovable characters along the way for me. It w- spoiler. It was near the end. All I'm going to say is concert without spoiling anything. It's the concert, yeah. and I was like. Yeah, you go, girl. You go. Like, that's what got me for it. And that's where I was like, because at first I was like, great film, but she's in at number 11. No, she jumped a couple of hurdles on this because I was like, well done, Pixar. You you showed something that I, I was really into there. Well done. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm so happy you've seen it, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will be re-watching it again because again i was like i need to watch that red there was another film i watched but i was doing other stuff so it hasn't still made the list even though i just completed it in at number eight is a very funny one right because i'm going to quote the film and i'm sure everyone's going to jump in at oh it's going to be this that and the other it's one that you don't have a lot of love for the incredibles now i know some people are going to be like miss incredible violet are yeah, we yeah, are we miss- punting are we punting the movie or the character I'm going to say the character, maybe it's a punt then. Okay. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there may be no punts then. <laughs> I'm going with Baby Jack-Jack. Is he a lead character? Well, essentially, probably not. But by the time you take Incredibles 2, he probably is, which is a bit of a blip of a movie to me. But yeah, I, completely look, he's right. part of the family. Coming in? Yeah, I, I'm saying I agree. It's a very much a blip of a movie. Um, um you've got incredibles higher up if it is i don't mind punting. do I'm is not... it higher up let me have a look my incredibles is at number nine okay so right. talk about jack jack and then we'll just cut over to here's the one, thing while you have all the other characters and i was nearly down the line of i like the brooding characters so so Violet nearly made it. Jack Jack has all the not Jack Jack, um Dash has all the character the characteristics of both your speedsters. He's got a little mouth on him and he nearly made it. The parents are cool, but not enough for me. 
Jack-Jack was always just there in the background and elevates. But it's that last scene at the end where he is the baby who takes out the bad, who just starts showing every element. They were like, the baby who doesn't have powers. And it's like, whoa. Now, for me, when yeah. it comes to secondary characters, and here's a spoiler, it's the kid at the end who sees everything that The Incredibles has done. It's like, that was totally wicked! Like, I love that kid. He was just like, he was quotable to me by the end of the movie. Like, in the period of Incredibles, he was my, like, potential spirit animal. But there was something about yes. Jack-Jack where we've got... <laughs> we've got all of these characters who are adapting their powers and had to learn to suppress it. And now you have... Jack-Jack's a bit like Milo in, in The Mask. You know when, like, you, you try to control it, but you can't? Like, he's got nothing at, in the I beginning, know, but when he does, he delivers everything. And I just loved Jack-Jack for it. Um, Again, Incredibles 2 is a bit of a blip for me, but I remember like, yeah, oh my God, he's flaming on, he's doing this, he's doing that, my God, this is the thing. But like we saw it, you know, like he was like, when he was being babysit, babysat, and you could see him like doing like telekinesis and stuff. Like Jack Jack's the baby, man, like big up Jack Jack. So yeah, he had to get it. But because I wasn't sure if he was a primary character, that's why he's so low. And obviously the amount of time he had screen time. Jack Jack's the baby. <laughs> I'm not gonna say it's the man, it's the baby. <laughs> I like that. Jack Jack is the baby. That's very funny. Oh, okay, so that was your bottom three, yeah? Yeah. Alright, man. Um, you're not gonna like my number 10, but I'm afraid I have to do it. Remy from Ratatouille. So punt. I know, I know AJ has an issue with this movie. Punt. Oh, it's a pun. It's a pun. It's a pun. It's a pun. Oh, you haven't. It's a punt and just leave it as that, okay? Let's just move on. Such a dickhead. Um, all right, fine. <laughs> My number nine coming back to The Incredibles. Although I agree with you that Incredibles 2 was a bit of a blip. You ready for me to say something really unpopular? Yeah. Incredibles 1 was also a bit of a blip for me. Look, um, everyone has an appreciation of films. I did fall in love with it. But nothing for me. Like <sighs> when 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 people say that, oh, it's the best Fantastic Four movie, I'm like, wow, we're grading on a curve, aren't we? <laughs> but like, they're not wrong. They aren't wrong. <laughs> they're not wrong. Triple H is the greatest booker in the world. Since Vince. <laughs> 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 I, I'm sorry. When the bar is really low, saying that something's better, it's like, yes, and water is wet. That still doesn't make it great. Um, <laughs> is it the best Fantastic Four movie? Sure. Did you see the other ones? <laughs> this isn't high praise. If this was like, <laughs> here's the weird thing. Some people say this is... Yeah, yeah. I've legitimately heard, and this is high praise. I don't agree with it, but it is high praise. I've legitimately heard some people say, forget best Fantastic Four movie. This is the best Pixar movie. There's, I'm a, like, lot, there's a lot of people who would wait. There that is a lot of love for it. And I am not hating on this film. I think it's vastly overrated. But remember, I'm the guy who says overrated doesn't mean bad. I keep saying that. I could love a film and still say it's overrated. Um, yeah. I think it's quite by the numbers. 
do I like the idea of your kind of, does it have moments that I like? Like Edna Maud, I think fantastic. Um, the part where Jack Jack slaps daddy awake or like they change math. How can they change math? Like it has moments that I truly do appreciate, but in all of the franchise, I thought what they did with Elastigirl in the Incredibles two was freaking great because they completely okay. subvert they completely subverted my expectations of where the movie was going. The Incredibles two was her movie. The, the family, yeah, Jack Jack was cute. The dad had to become a stay at home dad. The family effectively got relegated to the sidelines. It was basically the Elastigirl movie. Do you know and what Elastigirl like, kind of reminds me of? Go on. Like Jamie Lee Curtis in um, True Lies. She's not that hot, mate. <laughs> I'm not talking the hotness. I'm talking about the the role. I'm of sorry. Where... You you tell me Jamie Lee Curtis in True Lies. What? Where do you think my mind's going <laughs> to go? Right, goes to one place. <laughs> it literally does. Like I get what you're saying. Is like the the wife has to become like the spy. Yes, I get it. But like, boy, <laughs> boy. You can't you can't be saying things like that. Some people, some people, some people, not that I co-sign to it entirely, but do talk about Elastigirl's peach. Booty. There's a lot of love for it out there. Listen, she has junk in the trunk. There's yeah. of this, there is no doubt. But I thought what they did with her in, in The Incredibles 2 was really cool. Really, really cool. I had time for Elastigirl, although the movie wasn't great. So that's my number nine. My number eight. My number eight. Of the Pixar franchises, I would argue that this is their weakest, certainly. But a character arc that I actually thought between one and... Forget the second movie, but between one and three, I actually thought, okay, I like this. Lightning McQueen. Oh, this is your number eight, yeah? Yeah. Okay, because I have a character from Cars as well, but number seven. So okay, go, go with it. It's not. It's not like. So what I liked about him is that it it's kind of the Rocky story. Uh, not not so much Rocky one, but more more the later Rockies where he's coming, especially in Cars three, where he's coming to terms with his limitations. And I was like, okay. As a guy who's getting older now and who used to be a pro fighter and who can't do that stuff anymore, I see where you're going with this. And I actually kind of like it. It's a six and a half, seven out of 10 franchise. Uh, well, one and three are nothing more than that. But, you know, the first one where he's got to, you know, he's full of energy. He's the young superstar, but he doesn't have the skill set yet to be the master. So we learn that. Okay, now we come to the third movie. He's the master. But he's getting on. The master has started to weather. And this new upstart comes them. along. It's good. I don't know if I've seen it before. I've enjoyed one and two. I actually don't hate two. two. The first time I watched two, I thought it was dead. I watched it a second time. and I didn't hate it as much. But I don't think it's been free. Could not do two. It was twas not for me. Um... Yeah, I, I didn't get the hype behind two at all. Um, to me, it was just like a Meta movie crossed with Spy. And I'm like, why have you done that? Um, but 
I think there's a very interesting arc that they're telling with Lightning McQueen. You know, the young upstart superstar who has to still get his victory from the old old sea dogs and manages to do so successfully. And then in the third one, coming to terms with the fact that he's not the hottest car on the block anymore. I liked it. It resonated with me. So he goes in at number number eight for me. Nice. Nice. I, I could work with that. I could work with that. So the person you quoted from number two is the character that hit for me in number seven. I am talking Mater. Oh, this from, from 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 the Cars universe. You don't like him? Has no, he he's an annoying. He's, he's an annoying. Oh, there we go. Putz. But it was the annoying putts that I liked about it because I found him to be. I tell you what it is. <laughs> it's stupid as ever. But anytime I think about Cars, I think about the line where Lightning goes, "I'm doing it for the Piston Cup" or something like that, and he went. You want this cup? And it was like, it obviously was appealing to the older generations, like you, we all know where it's going. But it, you know, when you've got these superstars that are your people, like your Lightning McQueens and your XYZs, there is that person who helps ground you. And that's what I like about Mater is that he is the annoying part. He is, a, for better or worse, oh, you could even. AJ, are you him. saying you're my Mater? I did not say that. I didn't even... Do you know, the more I started, I was like, this is going wrong because he said he's been down that career and I'm the humble one, the emotional one who said, let's not do the war movies during everything. And I'm like, that's not... But are you calling me a putz by that definition, you... T- <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> Curveball in that right back. <laughs> yeah, no, but there was that, that element of groundedness that I like about Mater that, yes, you could call him the Jar Jar Binks of cars, essentially. He's that, you know... <laughs> meant to be lovable but very un- annoying in the same breath very good but he he has this redeeming quality that helps keep everybody else around him grounded you don't necessarily need a mater around because sometimes he's more of a hindrance than uh a benefit i get that but he has the strong qualities and he also did for his stupidity did give me some comedic value and that's why it made it for me like again cars cars is a bit of a a blip as well, essentially, to me as a franchise. So much so that I can't even remember if I've seen number three. I I, I find them watchable. I it, I find it weird that Planes was from the same universe, but done by Disney and not by Pixar. It, you know, and there's a short called Boats that's somewhere on YouTube, but I still don't know who owns the rights to that. So I enjoy the universe, but it's not great to me. It's not something I delve immensely into. It's not great. It's not great. Yeah. The whole world um, and the whole overall story they've built isn't great, but I thought Lightning McQueen's arc was interesting between one. Well, that I appreciate, that I appreciate. But, and again, for me, I can't even remember number two, but I remember like thinking, oh, it wasn't too bad. I'm talking yeah. Mater from number one, from Cars 1, who he was as the, the annoying, I don't, I don't want to be racist or territorialist, he was the annoying hick. That's who Mater was, you know. You've got your LA superstar, and he's coming to Bumpkin Town, and there's this little hick who's just won the up. But there was a redeeming lesson in in there by having Mater, and that's why I appreciate about him. And that's why he made my number seven. She wants me for my body. <sighs> right, flat. I'm not gonna lie. My my number six. I st- I know the movie is at number six. I'm still torn as to who is number six. I'm going with the image that I've got. Part of me says, 
drop that and just go with Baby Boo. But right now, I'm sticking with yeah. Mike. I'm sticking with Mike, that's and I've taken that, a picture. That's your six, yeah? Yeah. Uh, he's my seven. Okay, so we both went with Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Tough yeah, call, yeah, though, yeah, isn't it? Really? Do you know what? For all when, the love of when God, you actually consider the movie is more about Sully and Boo than it is about Mike, it's very interesting that we've both gone with Mike. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? As much as I love John Goodman as well, I think Billy Crystal's voice just helps tip the scale. <laughs> honestly, honestly, That's I feel literally that that was why the I was tip for me. It, it does it, and there's something <laughs> again. For all of it, it's the underdog. He he is he's the negatives of both Timon and Pumba. You know, it, <laughs> it, it, again. no, but it is, isn't it? Because he's not he's got the leader the leader characteristics of Timon, but he's more yeah. He, I suppose he is Timon. I don't know if he's got the, what Pumba parts I'm thinking of, but. There is stuff about Mike who thinks he's the leader. Even if you take Monsters University, he tries to be that guy, but he is somewhat... I suppose Pumba was because he's more the underdog as well. He tries to be the leader, and he eventually does, in a way, become it. But as you said, Sully and Boo still own it. But there's something just lovable. I can't I can't even picture what it was. I knew Monsters University... Monsters University is essentially Revenge of the Nerds in animation. Completely. <laughs> it literally that, that, is that. It is that. And I can't, I don't know if you could do better than me on this one, but there, there's something about the film that said it's number six and it had to be Mike. I, it, yeah. it, dude, I'm kind of, I mean, I would lean more Monsters Inc. than University, but as you said, you, you yeah, were just doing that for the image. Um, yeah. I can't put my finger on it, but I'm one high, I don't know why. It's not Mike's story. It's Sully and Boo's story. It's Sully who gets kicked out of. No, they both get kicked out of the monster world, they don't they? Out, yeah. Oh, maybe I'm being unfair on Mike. Screw it. Billy Crystal wins. <laughs> That's it, isn't it? There's something about as the character that is just charming. It has a special charm. And I nearly went for Sully because let's remember, in in an artistic way, Sully was the first time we had moving flowing fair which is something to to acknowledge through monsters inc but still yeah mike just mike just tipped it for me if you say monsters inc i picture mike before i picture sully i think that's also right yeah i had to think about that one do i picture mike before i picture sully 100 percent, yeah 100 yeah. percent, yeah dude can't fight it <laughs> <laughs> Comment below which one do you prefer and how? Why? It's tougher than you think. Billy Crystal Crystal's the one, dude. So he was your six, my seven, so onto my yeah. six. Yeah, I'm happy with him at six, actually. I've gone with Miguel from Coco. Nice. Nice. Coco very think, nearly made the list. Yeah, I think this is a really, really lovely. It's a lovely movie. Like much like with the good dinosaur, it has its very specific moment, which nearly got me. It's when they're at that scene in the hammock where the guy's officially passing into the next life because his because his family have forgotten about him. And then when you think about that, 
That is such a universal message because death comes to us all, right? Death taxes in the New Case comic books. Death comes to us all. And I don't know, man. I Obviously, I'm still young, so I am still in that stage where I'm afraid to die. But I'm much more afraid now that I've got a daughter, now that, you know, I've got another one on the way. But, you know, I would hate to be in a place where my progeny my my lineage ever forgot about me you know things like the way i sound the way i smell the way i behave much the same way as i still very clearly the way my great grandmother smelled and felt and sounded you know you don't want that to be forgotten and what pixar did was take that very real fear in that scene that every human i think deep down has and completely undressed it and boy was it vulnerable inducing um, that one scene aside, do I love the premise of of uh, of him going into on Dia de la Muerte to go and to go and find his long lost relatives? I like the, f- the the way they flip the script on you. The villain is not who you think it is. I thought that one, and who is the villain is not who you expected. I was like, oh. Normally, I catch okay. these things, but they they, they kind of veer. They, they gave me a veers moment on that. I was like, ah, that one slipped under the radar. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought aesthetically it was beautiful. Uh, I thought the songs in it were stellar. Remember me. It's so good. It was a really interesting insight into a culture I'm not that familiar with. I like Mexican food. I like Mexican wrestling, but I'm not that deep in the culture <laughs> that I know that I know enough about it on this level. And from what I understand, it was really well received by the Mexican community. So I guess they did a good job of nice. depicting it. So it was nice. And I thought Miguel was the heart and soul of the movie. So yeah. Win. I my, like that. My number like six. That. That was number five. Six, yeah. Yes, sir. My number, number five. five. <sighs> I'm going with the film finding. Well, it's Nemo, because I felt by the time you get to finding Dory, Dory does get a bit diminished. But Dory does get a lot of love from me. From this That's year. your five, yeah? Yeah. Also my five. Hey! <laughs> Good call. Good call. Um, you've got to love Dory. Like, even as I press it, I was like, there is a lot to love of Marlon. But Dory, Dory's just Dory. Marlon, like, you know what? Oosh. He is, but, you know, you can, you can get the, the, again, there, there's an arc in this story. By the time you know, there you know, from who he was to what it was. Um, but no, Dory, d- credit to Ellen, credit to Ellen for owning Dory, like just made Dory everything. It's the way that you've got this fish with the shortest memory, you know, pretty much short term memory loss. It's literally amnesia, you know, and but knows how to communicate with people, knows how to, to build stuff. And that journey, like Nemo's not found without Dory. There is no essence of learning what family means outside of your actual family without Dory, you know? Again, to a degree, it's not meta territory, but it's meta territory in the sense that, yes, you are annoying to your main your main lead, this person along the journey. But again, in, in a film about, you know, you've got a film called Finding Nemo, where Nemo's essentially in a fish tank away from home. His dad is following him. So you've got the lead character, the title character, and then you've got essentially who should be the lead, the dad on the hunt for his son. You know, this is essentially Liam Neeson in fish territory <laughs> going after their kid. 
it's the secondary character essentially who took the lead so much so that they had to build another film of well what is dory's story where does dory actually come from where is dory's family you know outside of the family that's been built and it was just magic you know talking i i can speak um what was it i i can speak whale i can do this i can do that dory was just comic relief heartwarming and just there, just ever present and just amazing. No, Dory was a win for me. Dory was childlike innocence and never became annoying. That's what I like because very few characters can get away with constantly because it's it's a form of when you've got a character with memory loss, it's a very cheap writing tactic to stretch out a paper thin character and a paper thin script. And it never felt like that with Dory. It's like, yeah, we're yeah. repeating things, but this doesn't feel unnecessary or forced. This actually feels nice. I like this. I'm, I'm, I care enough about this character to want her to remember P Sherman 42 Wallaby Way Road City. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, she was very charming. I liked, her a lot of her quirks i shall name it squidgy and it shall be mine and it shall be my squidgy hello squidgy <laughs> she's she's sweet uh also as a scuba diver can i please just now correct people there is a fish called a powder blue tang let me just bring up the image of dory again it's one of those weird things that triggers me something rotten if you're listening on podcast i apologize just scroll to the moment in the video and you'll see this is Dory, yes? This mm -hmm. is the image of Dory I'm bringing up to you now, that as in pick, as in Finding Nemo. Right. This is what everyone thinks is Dory. And it annoys the living bejesus out of me. You look at that and you go, oh, it's Dory. That's really cool. They've done it really accurately, right? Same shape, same Ooh. tail, got the yellow mark. That is not Dory. There's no black line, sir. Here's Dory again. And now we go for that. Now let me show you Dory. This is Dory. So the one I just showed you is called a powder blue tang or a powder blue surgeon fish. Dory, contrary to everyone's belief, is a regal tang or a regal surgeon fish. That's Dory. Is it in the same family, though? Out of yeah, it's a tang, it's a surgeon fish. Okay. Look, but I see you again. Dory, yellow tail, black marks. Yellow tail, black marks. People, get your fish right. Sorry, I'm done. <laughs> Do you know it's interesting though? That, that really, out of, you know when you look at it, what fish is Nemo? Nemo, clownfish. Yeah. Clown, clownfish, we got, of course. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm gonna ignore me. I had a point that, but it doesn't. It doesn't stick to it. Um, yeah, it no, stick. it's fine. But yeah, no, it doesn't stick at all. It doesn't stick. At all. Right. But yeah, um, you're um, no, you're number four. Right, you'll be happy to know, my friend, that it was not worse. Remy is actually my number four. What? <laughs> because here's the thing. Who are you? Why the real AJ? While the film sticks in a very awkward territory for me, that gives me the hibbijibis, especially the last few scenes. When it came to films about culinary skills, and I watched the film from beginning to end for the first time, I appreciated what the film has. And 
while I look at this, there's a lot to redeem with Remy. Like, like Remy is the rodent that you don't want in your kitchen and shouldn't be in your kitchen. But what he does with Linguini is absolutely amazing. He has this passion for cooking and the way he does it, and he breaks away from the norm. Yes, he's still loyal to his family. That is not a, that is nothing to be denied. You know, he, he he wants to break away from the rat tradition, but he'll still feed them. <laughs> he'll still go to visit. He'll still do what he does. You know, <clears throat> the final scene is still shake a, a shaker for me. It, yeah, an S shaker. You get what I'm saying? I'm I'm, I'm never going to be comfortable with that scene. But I do like Remy. I do like the relationship he has with Linguini, the, the, the relationship he has with the ghost of the restaurant that he aspires to work in, which he eventually does find himself working into. You know, the way he can create the ratatouille that gets to the, the, the connoisseur. Like, there was, a, there was a lot to... Re- there was nothing to really hate about Remy, short of the fact that he's a rat. Now, I'm not going to be animalist and be like, oh, I love this animal, I love this one. I just don't want rats in my kitchen. Remy tries to cook in my yard. It ain't happening. rent kill is on the call. However, in an animated world, <coughs> you think I'm going to be comfortable with a rat pulling on these? No, 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 no. Ain't happening. I could cook, bro. Out. <laughs> it is what it is. Hey, this guy. Yeah, no, no. Remy as an actual character in an animated world just Pixar just went too close to home with what they done on the other side. But Remy as an actual character, I've got love for you, bro. So yeah, you're my number four. Cool. My work here is done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Then my number four. Um, I don't think you've seen this one yet. And it's one that I was very, very late to the past, you two. Literally this year. Blew me away. I'm going to go with Carl Friedrichsen from Up. So here, this is the film that I'm I'm being honest with. I started Up, and when I found out about it today, I tried to watch it, but I was in the middle of doing 101 different stuff, so Up didn't get my full focus. Mm. The opening of Up is one of the most... And I'm, I should really let you take the baton. No, I will let you take the baton, actually. Please, it's, it's your number four. Yes, yeah, your number four, you take the baton. So I'm really happy you brought that up, because... That's what everyone always brings up is that opening 10 minutes is done as a silent movie, but you understand everything that's going on and it's cinematic genius. And the criticism I've often heard is that, yeah, but after that 10 minutes, the movie just kind of falls off a cliff. What? No, I wouldn't say that. So as someone who casually watched it today while literally popping in and out of my kitchen and doing my spring cleaning, because I may have guessed at my house this Sunday, um, <laughs> I surely, I wasn't expecting it to take the turn that it did, but I wouldn't say it was a bad movie. That's what I would say. It took a turn I did not expect. Dude. It's not a bad movie. It's freaking fantastic. I was shocked because for the exact reason I just mentioned, People underplay the rest of the movie so much, like so much, that I was expecting it to. And I agree that first 10 minutes is incredible, heartbreaking. And then I'm like, eh, what else is there? Let's see what everyone else is on about. It's really good. These ju- he essentially goes and lives out the the journey that him and his the, the love of his life wanted to do together and they waited too long to do. And this stubborn old man just kind of went, nah, 
F the world. I'm going to go and do this. I don't care if I'm too old or can't move or can't leave the house. I'll take the house with me. F it. It's there's so much redeeming qualities in it and you know it relationships again such a beautiful relationship building along this story in this film you know it's amazing the rest of the movie because of lengths he goes to to achieve what he's done if anything make that first 10 minutes that much better but yeah the movie is incredible like, I don't know, what, it must have just got me on the right day, at the right time, in the right place, but it literally catapulted itself into top you know five. No, I'll agree with you on me. And I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go into spoiler territory when I say this. I'm, it's it's mm. the end of the film, but it, it's spoiler, it's spoiler. It's not spoiler if you've not seen it. The award given at the end, I've, that, I will <laughs> agree with you, elevates the beginning. That elevates the beginning because it's, yeah. Yeah, I, I could go with that. It's a special movie, man. It really is. And one I wish I, you know, I'm glad I caught it when I did. I wish I'd seen sooner. So that was that was my, my, that was my four. Your three. All right, my number three. So, yes, here I am. I'm always going for the little underdogs, you know, your, your Dories, your Maters, your Arlos. But the other side of AJ loves a Wolverine, loves a Batman, loves an anti-hero. And who better to show a, a character with a bit of edge than anger from Inside Out? I love this. For, so funny. I see anger again as more of a secondary character, but that's fine. Um, carry on. Really? My, my Yeah. For me, of the five emotions, only two of them were leads. Well, uh, I mean, okay, I get it. in, in the, but to And me, that's my number three, which is my girl, Joy. <laughs> obviously, well, yeah, obviously, Joy is going to be the main lead. Joy was like the lead, and then you've got I can't remember the young girl's name. Who they all live inside of, but um, what Riley? Yeah, like Riley. Yeah, essentially, it's Riley, isn't it? It's Riley's emotions, and so you're going to see it. And then maybe to some degree, people go for Bing Bong. But to me, if you're if you're talking about Bing Bong, this film is hundred percent a secondary character. You can't say Bing Bong is a lead character. Bit of you can't. But it, I mean, to be honest, Joy is the, the, the lead character. You're going for Joy and Sadness. Joy and right? Sadness. Joy and Sadness. <laughs> Naturally, they think about be, it. But the whole me... crux of the dude, the crux of the movie is that you need sadness to have joy, and your emotions can be mixed, and you can't have mixed emotions without these two cornerstone emotions. They are literally I, I, the premise of the that. movie. I get that. In, and in that sense, yes, you're right. If we're going to play it that way, but the other way I'm playing this game is we're talking again it's the emotions now if it's with that you've got the four emotions i mean it was joy sadness anger and i cut was it i don't want to say I can't, who was i can't remember the fourth one but whoever it was it's that they, they all have to because they all compose your, your emotions so by that envy and totally, fear isn't it i'm sure it's fear and envy been a very very long time since i've seen it but i loved anger way before tiktok was a thing there was a thing called musically and if you go back in time there was a video of me saying congratulations new york you ruined pizza because disgust. i just love fear and disgust fear and disgust there we are i have i, I do need to give inside that another watch it's been a long time and it's a one-time watch for me 
So but I, I just loved every I, I loved everything about anger. Um, anger is the, the the side that you don't see me let out a lot, but lives deep inside. You know so who yes, anger who plays anger, right? Hit me. I've got another Lewis no, no, Lewis Black, who was uh, one of the anchors on the Daily Show when John Stewart was running it. I've never watched the Daily the, the Daily Show. No, oh, it's genius, it. dude! It's so funny. And he used to do these segments very much as anger. So they'd take something topical and he would just unleash literally like anger, all hell, fire and brimstone onto whatever the topic was. Oh, so you think you're going to get this president in the White House? Well, let me tell you something. It was literally like a real, real to life Vince McMahon. He's genius. <laughs> Lewis Black, The Daily Show. Check him out. I will check him out. I will check him out. I'm really just trying to have a look at him because I don't know who he is. But I, I loved him. I just love every moment of him. And I do appreciate that now that I think back at it. Yes, obviously, we do follow Joy's story and what have you. But I just took all the emotions yeah. and I knew that that was my guy when I watched the film. I just loved it to bits, man. Just the way he reacts to stuff. And it would be like, it'll explode, then cool down. But you knew that it was just, he was always an edge away from just <laughs> popping yeah. again. I just, I just, yeah, I just loved it. I just loved it. Uh, yeah, yeah joy, joy was my girl, man. Um, because of the again, you're, you're, you're gonna see a lot of uh, a lot of consistencies with with the picks I have, but I like arcs. I, you know, for me, those are proper felt lived in characters like Lightning McQueen's arc between one and three, like the arc that Dory goes through, you know, in finding her family. Um, I don't know. It's it's I like the yeah, Miguel goes through the ones I've mentioned. Essentially, I really like this arc that Joy goes through because essentially, if you break it down, she's a bit of a quasi villain. You know, she rules over this oh, yeah, imagination for sure, for sure. land. She rules over this imagination land. You know, this uh, the emotion land in this inside out land, kind of with an iron fist. Like you know, it's it's kind of her way she or the highway. Completely, completely, <sighs> and no one else matters. She bulldozes everyone. Considering she's an emotion, she kind of lacks empathy. You know, um, you know, it, it's literally only my way, only my way will do. Um, and it was wonderful that you know, sadness was the one that showed her completely unintentionally that well. You kind of need all of us for you to be what you are. You need us, and so the and the realization she has, which breaks her. You know, she's crying in front of our eyes at the end, and that makes Riley cry. And that's what's so powerful. You know, it's joy that makes Riley cry at the end, and it's like mixed emotions. Happiness can make you sad. Oh, Pixar. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's genius it's freaking genius that film um yeah joy's my gal cool that was your number three yes sir it's very interesting how our our ranking has come in a way that like very similar yeah, yeah. very very right in at number two it's a guy you put me on to and yeah i love the guy man i love the guy Wally. 
Yeah, it's my number two as well. <laughs> <laughs> I should I should have saved the line. I should have saved the line. <laughs> right. Um yeah, look. Wally is because the more it's a right. beacon of hope. Yeah. It's a beacon of hope. I, I, there's nothing more I can say. Like he doesn't have an S on his chest. No, he doesn't fly around like Clark. But he's a beacon of hope because Wally shows us he's got that big pretty oh, eyes, yeah. though, AJ. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Maybe yeah. the superheroes to be unlocked. But like for all that man is doing to this planet, this film just shows that we are destroying it. And this, 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 you know, where AI and computers are running it. A computer will one day potentially be the, the the thing that helps us rediscover our earth, rediscover what we have, and save humanity from whatever the hell we're leading ourselves into right now. Like, I don't want to sound ominous. I don't want to sound like the guy who's got the tinfoil hat. But there's a lot. To we study. literally changed yeah. the topic of this podcast because of what's going on in the world. So, yeah, yeah, like he, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, it's a lovable character, and I, the props I give to Wally, and I swear, and I say it each time, I thought I was not the target audience for this film. I was told, watch it, watch it, watch it, and I'm like, what, some dumb robot, bro? Like, what? Like, it, it's weird how sometimes, as much as we take anime, it's stupid. You ask me what's one of my favourite films, I'm going to tell you Terminator 2. Oh, so that android's perfect. Then I've got all the love in the world for Megan, but Wally, no, I'm not going to listen to that robot. It's weird the way we can process information and then i remember the first time i gave this film a shot and i was like this is like a silent movie i'm i'm really gonna hate this what he doesn't talk no forget it forget like true i'm gonna do it aj style dead that no no i'm not on this this is not for me but i was like see it through see it through now granted some people say aj but by that time can give it a chance Maybe, but I, I'm just going. Oh, it sucks. But Wally, yeah, Wally. On the other hand, oh, what a journey! And I swear, again, one time watch. But what I've done with it, lasting impression, love it. And yeah, the title character gets the win for it. Like he's a hero, man. He's the beacon of hope. Wally for the win. My work here is done. <laughs> <laughs> Your worst. Nothing to add? Right. No, you've said it beautifully. Like, what do you want me to add to perfection? That was great. Your, your worst. My worst. Look, from time and time again, when the silver screen dude's very first started, not even this channel, not even this pod, if you're listening, before all of that, we used to do silver screen news in a different format. And we heard the words Toy Story 4. And with that, we said... It's going to be awkward because three was a perfect ending. Literally. But we have we have faith that it can happen. And then the hero, essentially, of this story, or the one that we're meant to follow, is Forky. I have never oh, come across... I, I, I don't believe there's a worse creation. I actually don't believe there's a worse creation. I, I just genuinely am disappointed i i feel that in trying to give us a film we just had this this character that was just so irrelevant i get it in the sense that it's so recycled that's what i ironically considering he's a freaking spork but 
so recycled like a a a toy come to life with an existential crisis who doesn't realize he's a toy buzz 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 like you just called for his bloody idea back yeah i just found it like i i respect the fact that we're saying creativity from the drawings and the toys we made as kids like coming from a guy who made multiple wrestling belts and made different stuff with paper Yes, it's cool to think that that is also considered a toy and can come to life. But for us to follow this journey and for it to be this suicidal, irrelevant character while they have a bigger oh. journey going on, he was just a hindrance. Yeah. And where there's major love for Forky, I think I could love Forky had you just minimized it. The same way, and this is the thing, where... Toy Story has so many other toy characters who have willingly taken second place, film after film after film. You know, you've tried to push this guy to the forefront, and it's just like you've got no place in this story. Forky, I think, would be interested to be like something that's there and kind of messes up, and he could have been lovable like Dory, and then do the, the, all the Forky series spin-offs that you want to do, all the little shorts, and there he's going through it. And each week, a different character is trying to save his life. I'll be on it. We're going on this road trip, and we've got this thing that's just... He would have been dead a long time ago, I'm telling you. Just jump. It's not part of the story. It was just not part of the story, and that's what made it weak. It, he belongs be, in the I River think, Tyne, had, mate, that one. Yeah, it was just... Nah, it was done. It, it, we've had too much of a character build in this to try and enter a new character with zero relevance. Toy and Story 4 should not have happened. Toy Story 4 should not have happened. Uh... My worst. Very easy for me. Um, it's funny because you've picked a rip-off of Buzz Lightyear. I've picked a rip-off of uh, Aladdin's Jasmine. Merida from Brave. I've got no time for this character. I cannot tell you how much I have no time for this character. Where I've got no problem with From Dusk Till Dawning a movie. Give me one thing and then halfway through flip the movie on its head. But don't build me up to care for this girl who is effectively a carbon copy of Jasmine. I don't want to marry a prince. I don't want to marry a prince. I swear down you did, you've stolen that line. Like, all these suitors coming in to see you and you showing that none of them are good enough for you. I'm not... Girl, set the tiger on them at this point because Raj is calling me. He's like, I can come to Scotland. Like, what are we doing? The fact that her hair is the same color as the tiger is is all that. I was like, no, you're taking the you're taking the royal tiger Mickey here, aren't you? Um, and then like half an hour into the movie, it kind of does what Soul did, and it just goes dumb. The mother, the the parents bag, like becoming personified and having to cartoonishly run away i'm like oh i don't like it when pixar go too cartoony i don't mean cartoon as a form of animation i mean cartoony as in slapstick ham-fisted i think it's beneath them yes they need a bit of a recovery in the uh, because since the tutelage of mr bob chapek pixar has taken a bit of a quality dive also, audiences don't watch it as much because it's now on Disney+, Plus, which means people aren't as interested because that's how we work. If it's in cinema, especially if it's on TV, that's so. Um, 
they went ham-fisted on this. Like, you can't, for 30 minutes, tell me that this movie's about a young girl fighting patriarchy and then go freaking Goldilocks on me. Like, what are we doing? See, I remember watching Brave and not hating it. I, I dare I say I enjoyed it. I, I One of my biggest problems with Brave, though, and I know it's not going to be a problem to you in any shape because the story bugs you more. I hated the fact that they changed her appearance to, to, to fall more in line with the other Disney princesses. I think the, I don't know if they changed it back, actually, because there was a lot of backlash over it, you know, but they they made her a slimmer figure and whatnot to be that line where no, no I, I appreciate that they, she broke the norm of what a Disney princess looked like. And that's what something that stood out for me. And she, she was the lead character. You know, don't get me wrong. You've got in a world where you've named got Tangled and you've also got Frozen. Yes, there are other female leads. We've got Moana. Hell, you can even call Ariel, but she was out there to put the fight out, and I that that I think I respected for it. And I, you know, in, in, in its weird territory, I also like the fact of how Pixar like to be diverse in, in stuff. Like we do Scotland, you know, May May's Canada, um, Luca in Italy. Um, is it Pablo? I can't remember his name, but from Coco, you've got Miguel. Mexico. You know, Miguel. they they. Miguel, sorry. Yeah, you know, it, it shows diversity. It gives you a hero from different backgrounds and stuff like that. So I found a lot of good takeaways from it. I understand what you're saying. Um, it's a very bit of a blip to me. You telling me someone turned into a bear and something. I think we're because I do recall, like, you could see where the story's going and that part happened. And then I've got elements of it, of maybe Brother Bear, because the Brother Bear has someone who then turns into it. Like, I, I can't remember it, but I remember seeing tropes of different films. And this is where. I feel you get people throwing shade on later cinema. And I say later cinema, it's not that we were here at the beginning of cinema, but you, you, you see stuff and you just feel like a lot of stuff are being recycled and people say that it lacks creativity. In that sense, mm -hmm. I can understand the hate because I feel like I knew the beats that were coming. But I do have respect and love for Merida for, for various reasons at the time. I was like, this isn't too bad. That's the way I felt of it. It wasn't like my favorite film or anything, but it had redeeming qualities for me. Hmm. No, it didn't work for me, I'm afraid. Right, your your best. It's tough, isn't it? It is tough. It's tough, but I I went with Buzz. Hmm. I went with Buzz Lightyear. Um, I don't know if it's because Buzz has the Lightyear movie on top. Um, funny enough, I think there's a degree of the arc that you talk about when it comes to Buzz. Um, from being completely unaware, you know, completely unaware and being high on his own supply, being like, I, you know, very much the Superman character, you know, I'm holier than now, and da -da -da, no one can stop me, and Buzz Lightyear, and just completely unaware and just refusing to believe he's a toy when everyone else is around him showing him that to let's take it to Toy Story 2, looking at another version of himself and being like, is that who I was, you know? And fitting in, finding himself from being the Starship Trooper and that's his crew, to having mm. a family and being Andy's toy. Um, by the time you get to number three, like, put it this way, the fact that you haven't punted, I think I could guess where you're going on this or said yes that's your number one like it's very rare that it's not going to be that but this is very much batman and superman 
this is very much Captain America and Iron Man. It's the two leaders, and you're gonna just lean to one. And I I can understand the other side, but there is something about but I think it's just the expansion of Buzz through what he was. Normally, I think I would have gone with your number one. I think normally my heart would go that way because he's the more calm and sympathetic. But every now and again, I, I don't know, I get a little ego boost. <laughs> and that's what I love about Buzz. It's it's the realisation of who he is and becoming part of it. And I don't know, it's just something that just gives me that extra edge with Buzz. Interesting. Very interesting. I get it. Um, well, you've guessed my number one. It's from the same franchise. Woody. I've gone with Woody. Look, here's my reasoning behind it. You mentioned arc. Does Buzz have an arc? In one movie, yes. His The arc he goes through in Toy Story 1 is incredible. Woody, what I love about him is multi-layered. He goes through individualistic arcs in the three separate movies and has an overall arc that runs through the three movies which buzz lacks that's why i went with him so the first movie it's very much kind of like the lightning mcqueen thing the rocky thing is he's not the hot toy on the block he's not the fastest car he's not the best boxer he's not that anymore he's you know it's a little bit yesterday's news from yeah inside completely yeah completely um, I mean, we're going deep here, you know, what was it, Shakespeare, who said, ultimately, there's only seven stories, right? So, I mean, yeah, there's going to be some recycled material here, but it wasn't Shakespeare. Who the hell said there's only seven stories? Mark Twain? I don't know. Someone very affluent and more intelligent than me said there's really? only seven Really? I thought it was stories. one of the screeners who said it previously on the channel. I didn't know it was actually someone bigger than that, but okay. No, 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 no. It's, it's someone affluent. Um the story arc in the first movie is obviously he has to come to terms with the fact that he's not the hot toy on the block anymore, but having the serenity to realize that he's still loved and needed, which is why the first one ending where it does both of them sitting level pegging and him kind of joking with him like, ah, Buzz, you're not really worried about a toy. What could be worse than you? <laughs> Puppy, <laughs> and it's that look of acknowledgement they both give each other at the end, going, "Yeah, we're equal in this." Flub, <laughs> they know what's up. And then you look at his arc in the second movie; he realizes, much like in you know, Room, there is a world outside of Andy's. He knows he's a toy, but despite being aware that he's a toy, his bubble, his existence, is only centered around being a toy for this one person not realizing like many of us do that there is a potentially greater calling in life but then it raises into question like well what is greater the joy that you bring to the person who loves you the most and that you equally love the most or the fact that you've got all of this unfulfilled potential and almost self-fulfilling prophecy that needs to be achieved. And then you come to the third one, but let's not be under any illusion. That's his arc. Oh, yeah. You realize that it's he, despite all of Buzz's flash and flare, when they're going through the seven circles of hell and Dante and you think they're about to bite it, he's the one that makes them all hold hands. And also, think about this. 
the first ever shot in a fully computer generated movie toy story in 1995 it panned back and we saw woody's face and it panned back right woody was the first thing we ever saw how did the story end so long partner it starts and ends with woody he's the guy it has to be woody do you know what with that i will give you a lot of credit do you know what i think also bugs me is because when you say so long partner is that toy story four isn't it three three i think it's that's when andy's given him to the girls and they've all he gathers them all on the balcony as andy's driving away tips his hat and says so long partner I, do you know what i think tipped it for me now that i think about it again more i think toy story four seeing him leave the gang not that he had to stay with them i understand the journey that was there despite every time being the one to keep everyone together kind of soured me oh completely it betrayed it betrayed his arc so badly yeah and i think that's what kind of soured it for me if if i'm on it the more like i'm listening to everything you're saying and it it's such a valid point like again I, I've laid it down to the duo of dual, dual um, leadership in, in, in stuff, you know, kind of like the silver screen dudes are to the Ministry of Wrestling. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so like, but, um, taking that aside, it's... That sorry. shot will go unnoticed, don't worry. <laughs> I'm sure someone will hear it. Probably the tech out of all of them. But hey, The tech may hear it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... Um, you know, taking that, I thought, I, it just really hurt seeing it at the end. I was like, we've done this just to get rid of Woody. Like, why, why, we had a thing of there's a new, there's a new journey for them under a new ownership. And what they've got and talked about for number five, I keep hearing the similar trope of an older Andy and what have you. But you've it's, ruined it. Five ruined should it. have been four. Five should have been four if we're going to. You've ruined it because the other thing you've got to think about here. Where two was so interesting is because it highlighted that ultimately the emotional capacity of a toy is to be giving. Toys can't be self-serving. You know, yeah, there was a moment where Woody had that crisis of conscience where he was like, well, maybe Jesse and the Roundup gang need me and I should go and just never be played with again. But then he realized, well, no literally i'm a toy my purpose is to be played with and to bring joy to my owners four betrays that so badly because remember he doesn't go for anything other than himself yeah he wants to be with bo peep forgive me we've shown that they're friends and that him and bo peep have got a you know pepe le pew style thing going on but at no point have we been told in this fantastic trilogy arc that the toys are capable of doing anything more than being there for their owners. And yet here we are in four where he's gone and there's no owner. I'm like, you're not just betraying the ending of three. You are literally betraying the ethos of what you have told us for three movies. This is and bad. Do you know what makes it worse? We are now led to believe that in this story, because again, if we are to play five, that means they have to go back to find Woody to bring him back to Andy. But more to the point, this poor young girl has lost Woody, the potential leader, for this guy. 
And with that, I, I just leave it because that's what you're telling me. Four key replace Woody. If if anything's <laughs> to go on, Woody stayed back and she's he's okay with leaving her because she has four key. I'm just leaving it there for anyone who thinks Toy Story 4 is a good film. It's 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 terrible. And yeah, I think the way I've rounded rounded it up, round up gang. Um the way I've rounded <laughs> it up kind of I, I think shows that it's if anything of all of them, it's it's Woody's it's Woody's arg. I can I can I can work with that. It's can, Andy's story. That's the beauty of oh, it. It's Andy's story, but it's Woody's arg. Hundred percent. So right now, Rushmore is interesting because Wally goes in when we and got Dory films. goes in. Yeah. So Wally and Dory automatics. And Mike. Damn, Mike Wazowski makes it in. Oh, do you know who else? Remy. <laughs> it has no, this for feels, this, this, this feels wrong. It feels extremely disrespectful. So much. Extremely disrespectful. But counter it. <laughs> Remy? Woody! <sighs> There's your counter. But, but, counter to the counter. You put Woody or Buzz in there, their cleaning shop. They're going to win. They're going to instantly win. So the I think we should do that because Toy Story is a natural So the movie world. Mount Rushmore of Pixar characters excluding Exclude the Toy, Toy Story, Story franchise. I like it. And it wasn't even intended that way, guys. It wasn't even intended that way. And I think yeah. luck had it. Wally is going to go Wally, Dory, Remy, Mike. No, Mike's last. I reckon Mike's last. I reckon Remy will take the last. I reckon Dory's winning. Dory's winning. I reckon it's Dory. You think Dory's winning? I think Wally's winning. Dory's first or second? Guaranteed. Second, yes. You know what? I'm actually fascinated by this. This is interesting. Let's go with it. Let them fight. Let them fight. Ladies and gentlemen, the official movie Mount Rushmore of Pixar characters, excluding the Toy Story franchise, in no particular order, is... Remy. (laughs) I'm just reading it back. Our second entry is... Mike Wachowski from Monsters, Inc. and University. Our third entry is... Dory of Finding Nemo and Dory. Our final entry into the movie Mount Rushmore of Pixar characters, excluding Toy Story, is... Wally. Do you know that might actually be the order Wally Dory? <laughs> it may well be the order the way I typed it there without even knowing it. Okay, guys, 
This is going to be Take very, home, very, very interesting. Head on over to X at movie MT Rushmore, the home of the Silver Screen Dudes. But more importantly, we will be tweeting JT from We Love Movies at Movie Pulse for You. So head on over to at Movie Pulse for You. You're only going to get one vote, so choose whichever page you go to. It doesn't matter. And next week, we will announce the winner of a very, very interesting battle. So weird. So weird how this came about. Did not see it coming. Right. And it just shows how the Silver Screen Dudes have this weird balance of it because it could have been had the game been any other it definitely would have been woody or it definitely would have been buzz had we both gone down the same route just saying hey in hindsight based on the arguments would you stick with buzz or go with woody have i done enough to convince i like you? what you're saying I, I like what you're saying but i also feel that buzz was quite instrumental in and remind like as much as Woody knew it for himself, Buzz was quite instrumental in bringing him back in number two as well. I need to really rewatch these films as much as I've got a lot of love for them. Um, it's that co-leadership, bro. It's that co-leadership, and it's weird because Woody is the one I would tend to gravitate to. But again, look, sometimes my ego takes over, sometimes my heart takes over. 99% of the time, I thought I was going to be Team Iron Man. I was Team Cat. Didn't see it coming. I think yeah, the only wrong, one we agree on. I think the only time we agree on co-leadership is when we both say Batman over Superman, unless you are going to tell me Superman, in which case then we have the, the, the third at each time. This is the silver screen dudes, guys. We've always been this way. One is <laughs> Arsenal, one is, one is Chelsea, one is Raw, one is SmackDown. Well, it used to be. I don't know what show I'm on now. But it's just how we've done it. <laughs> it's just how we've done it through the history of our relationship. And essentially, thank God for that because it eliminated Toy Story from the running because it would have just been a clear-cut winner. So, yeah, guys, head on over to the X pages. But more importantly, head on over to at Movie Mount Rushmore. Press that notification. Press that follow, that like, that bell, because you will hear the win next week. Because I'm intrigued. I can't call it. I'm actually intrigued. <laughs> so, until the next time, guys. And again, tell a friend to tell a friend. We're available on Spotify and all your podcast platforms as well as here on YouTube. So until the next time, guys, I am the one, AJ Anthony Jordan. I'm Nicole Rope. See ya. We out. See ya.